right blockade is you know what time it is it's time to sit down with the man the myth the legend himself after a high day of clamming mr robin vote let's sit back relax and make the jump into a galaxy far far away man rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past dorchester Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to Make the Jump here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. It's your guy, Robin Vote here. As I always say, sometimes you like hearing my voice, sometimes you don't, but Make the Jump is always bringing on some of the best people from the Star Wars fandom. And on this episode, I have Brandon from Talking Bay 94, which, by the way, I saw some of your recent pickups over on Twitter. Uh, you got a package deal, it looks like, of some Star Wars comics, and, and uh, was that a was that Phantom Menace that I saw there? Or what, what was that uh, DVD that you had well, there? Well, I got, uh, it was the DVD releases that had the original cut on them. So for Ooh. Empire and A New Hope. So oh, uh, I was very excited because those are a little tough. Yeah, those are tough. I mean, sometimes like up here in New Hampshire, knowing some of the people way up north, they're like, oh, these are some of my kids stuff. They're off to college right now. They just kind of send it back down here to southern New Hampshire. And sometimes you'll find some of those things, those rarities and I think you have to pick them up, especially the original, original stuff, too. Um, it'll drive my my girlfriend nuts. I'll be like, oh, my God, Jenna, look. it's an, And she's like, do you really need it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, I need it. What are you talking about? Um, so that, that, that's <laughs> the one issue things. now is I was pretty good about, like, hiding it from my girlfriend, right? Like, every time that I would buy something like that. But now I have a – the Twitter account is just for Star Wars. It's so whenever I get something Star Wars, I always feel like I need to share it. And so she follows it, which is a mistake on her part. So she, uh, <laughs> she's what like, how much was that Tashin Star Wars Archives book again? Was it $200? I'm like, okay, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, not a big deal. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> oh, that's such a great policy. I love it. I love it. She she made the mistake of following the Twitter. So she's got to find yeah. out about all this other stuff. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. But listen, Brent, <laughs> you know, I've been listening to Talking Bay 94 here and Recently, you had Lori Good on, which uh, Lori Good is a follower of the podcast here mm-hmm. at Brick City, and he what is such a cool guy. I mean, of course, he's the one uh, who really? got his head whacked in uh, <laughs> in the New Hope. Which wh- wh- what was it like having Lori on it, and just that legend uh, of that uh, in- invincible stormtrooper, as I like to call him, uh, who suddenly be- became very uninvincible. I guess you could say. Uh, uh, I did. He was. He has great stories, obviously, and because what's great about Laurie is he was on set for so much, right? He was not only just right, a stormtrooper, right. but he was like in the cantina, and and he was a terrible pilot, apparently. And so, kind of hearing all of his stories was was super, super cool. And and he's obviously a very, very nice guy. So, um, yeah, it was it was a blast to talk to him and the story of of the whacked head. So. <laughs> the whacked head in the star wars universe that's oh i guess the only other whacked head in the star wars universe is from rogue one that poor imperial captain who uh <laughs> when they drove the ship into uh the other star destroyer into uh the other the other star destroyer and uh, he was falling down and whacked his head so there's only two whacked heads in the star wars universe as only it? two whacked heads yeah oh i guess you could count some of the stormtroopers on endor too and the ewoks start whacking them on the head too so there, right. That headgear does not help out whatsoever, it seems like. But, huh. hey, hey, the other thing, too, Brennan, is for the Brick City Blockade listeners, the blockaders out there who don't know who yeah. Talk Bay 94 is, give us the rundown on how good that podcast and what you do over there is. Like, like give us a synopsis of how awesome Talk Bay 94 is, essentially. 
Well, I wouldn't say uh, good or awesome, but talking talking to oh, is no. Uh, I appreciate it though. Uh, it's it's my kind of try to put like the Rinsler books and the making of documentaries as a as a podcast. That's always something that, that I grew up with, and that it's probably my favorite part of the Star Wars fandom is kind of the making of Star Wars. And so uh, mm. every week, it's a it's a long form interview with someone that was either in Star Wars or that helped create Star Wars, whether it's writing or the behind the scenes or, you know, doing the matte paintings. And so every week I, I always just feel super lucky to be able to talk to them um, at all. And um, it's been, it's been an enormous kind of uh, exciting journey for me to, to be able to talk to my heroes in like a very long form casual conversation like we're doing right now. So. Isn't that so cool when you get to sit down with certain people? I remember sitting down with Stephen Stanton and talking to him for the first time here oh, in Brick City. I love it. And he was talking about Radis and everything, and he did the voice, and I was like, oh, I'm in seventh heaven right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool, so cool. And, you know, you're right. Yeah. You have those moments where you sit down, Brandon, and it's like you're transported back to your childhood. You're transported back to that Star Wars film and being in the theater and seeing it for the first time. Even I'm even thinking about our childhood, sitting down and watching the original trilogy for the first time and mm-hmm. getting to sit down with those people and just kind of have, have them almost tell the story from their end is just so, yeah. so fantastic. And uh, it must be an honor just every week to have that opportunity to talk to those people because yeah. not everybody gets that chance. Not everybody does. Yeah. No, definitely. It's I'm very, very lucky, and I'm very lucky that they answer my messages. Really, is what it's come down to. So, um, but what's what's nice, especially, is because um, I'm calling it the second season. We're we're launching. I took a break for about a month because it was it gets to be a lot, and so I took a month off. And we're launching the second season in February. And what's nice is a lot of the guests starting in February are guests that are referred to by previous features by previous people that were in, in episodes. And so it's kind of nice growing this community of people that are like, you know, happy of the conversation they had with me. And they're like, hey, you should talk to this guy I was on set with or this guy that I've gone to a convention with. And so um, it's been a great way to, to grow it that way. It makes me feel very lucky. Yeah, homegrown, man. Like that's how yeah. Big City started. That's how a lot of these podcasts start. It just comes from that love of Star Wars. You pick up a mic, you say, hey, you want to come on and talk about your experiences or hey, you want to come on and you want to talk about why you like Star Wars so much. And people just are so reactive to it in such a good way. They're like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. People who would usually never come on a podcast, yeah. suddenly they get that chance. They're like, yeah, wow, definitely. this is a really great chance to get my voice out there and to share my experiences. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's all about, man, in the long mm-hmm. run. No, no, definitely. I think a lot of them, too, don't really get asked about it anymore. Uh, like we had Greg Proops on, who is from Who's Line, and he's like yeah. a very famous you know podcaster and stand-up comedian and everything and he really does not get asked about star wars that often so i sent him a, i just sent him a blind email i was like hey i see you're gonna be in dallas um let me buy you a drink after your show and maybe you talk about star wars for, for 10 minutes and it was kind of like you're talking about with steven santon where we're backstage me and my producer and he is just talking for like 20 minutes all about being the announcer for the boom to eve and telling all these stories and then he's doing the voices of the announcer i'm just freaking out like i'm about to just pass out holding the mic uh, and it's just kind of those things where it's people that haven't gotten to talk about it in a long time or people that talk about it every week at a convention that are just, you know, rapid fire knowing their stories. And so it's a wide range and yeah, yeah I've been, I've been very, very lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where did Talking Bay 94, like, where did its roots come from? Uh, what really spawned you to have the idea to do a podcast truly focused around these people's Star Wars stories? I've always been fascinated by that. 
Yeah, so, uh, well, I always credit uh blast points actually with inspiring me to start a, a star wars podcast it was last december because we have, we have not been around that long and so uh it was last december I, I was driving around um for christmas break and just running a bunch of errands and i decided i think it was on av club that they talked about blast points They're like hey this star wars podcast talked about the minutiae of um each different audio track um mixing of the original star wars movie and i was like well this sounds like a podcast for me <laughs> I was like, this is, yeah. this is it. And so I, I listened to like 30 episodes of theirs over a period of like a week and a half. And I texted uh, my buddy. I was like, hey, we have to do a Star Wars podcast. So um, from there, it was kind of me figuring out like what I would want to talk about. Um, I'll tell you right now, we are going to figure out very quickly that my, my Star Wars hot takes are not that hot. So I was like, I can't do something like that. <laughs> and so it kind of, it kind of, it boiled down to pretty much just like, what do I love? And it's, you know, I'm looking at it right now. It's just, I have a huge stack, almost, you know, three feet tall of just making of books and that's kind of my my big passion especially around star wars i was like might as well um use it to my advantage i've, I've made some contacts over the years from just conventions and stuff uh, and so it, it worked out um but it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been less than a year and it's already it's already done um better than i ever expected so isn't that crazy when you like you look at it essentially like it's funny and i think a lot of podcasters can agree with this and i'm speaking to that whole Everything follows a six-month period, and you notice it. After six months, you notice that growth. After a year, you notice the growth. And it's weird. Sometimes there are moments where after like a period of three months, you look at it and you're like, wow, I never thought I would be at this point in three months. And then that, you know, then the nine months comes and then right. like the full year, and you're like, holy cow. How did how did this ever take yeah. off? <laughs> you know, I say that yeah. all the time too. Here, I'm like, how did a basement podcast with two nerds from college ever even think about getting off the ground? And you yeah. kind of sit back in the moments, and you're like, wow, okay, all right, I can I can ride this train a little bit longer. You can't take my ticket yet. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's a it's a funny world, and it's great how people recognize that they recognize when you're positive and you bring on all kinds of fantastic individuals from the universe to come on and just be themselves and talk some Star Wars for a little bit. That's, that's really what it's all about, man. And just going into some of the main things I want to talk to you about here on make the jump. You mentioned that you are a real film guy. Like you really look at the Star Wars films in terms of, I, I would say from what I, what I've seen on the Twitter and from what you've told me, like the main, of the films you look at some mm-hmm. of the last jedi guides like some of the stuff behind the scenes i'm a big concept art guy i yeah. love looking at like the force awakens concept art and then looking at how that transitioned into the last jedi and one of the things i wanted to talk with you about and is something that i've brought up to some of the blockade members and to be honest with you not everybody here at brick city likes to break down uh concept art as much as i do uh-huh. um But it's one of those things when you look back at the Force Awakens concept artwork and Mm -hmm. you see the progression that it follows and how more recently, and I'd be curious to get your take on this, not necessarily a hot take, but but a take on it. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, when you look at the progression of the concept art over time, there are a lot of things in the Force Awakens concept art that spread themselves across not only just that film, but into The Last Jedi. And yeah. I, it's so funny to kind of take a backseat and say, all right, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams, 
they really had a clear idea of which piece fits into what, which concept art can truly take form in these right. two films. And your take on this, Brandon, I'm, I'm, again, I'm curious to hear this, is that there are still things from The Force Awakens concept art that we have not seen play out yet. Now that J.J. Abrams is on to Star Wars Episode Nine here, and he is the leading director, other than Trevorrow, mm. of course. Right. That man saw a lot of that concept art early <laughs> on, and a lot of it was not touched. Do you see, like we've seen, George Lucas it emanates this perfectly. The taking of original concept art and playing not only into how it's been used in the past, maybe through Force Awakens, but extending that forward into Episode Nine to give us that full effect. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I think you nailed it on the head with with George. It all stems from this idea that I think it was a, a Lucas initiative where no idea is ever discarded in Star Wars, right? You can go all the way back to the early drafts of the original Star Wars and th things like Utapau or the types of flying manta rays, right? Like things that are in the Macquarie yeah. artwork doesn't get used until Attack of the Clones and the Revenge of the Sith. You see it in Rebels where it's just using Macquarie art, right? You saw it yeah, exactly. with the little Jakku bridge that gets blown up. It's all these things that are just reused and reused because that's what we associate with Star Wars. And I think you are very interesting with what you said about the Force Awakens book, especially, you know, the Phil Sostak stuff where yes. it's all these things that um, we've seen a little bit of, right? And it was like, okay, you can see where, you know, Kira came from or Ray, right? And you can kind of see all this progression. But yep. then I think there was a very interesting tweet about a month ago from Peter Scaretta from Slash Film. And he <laughs> said, y'all need to pay attention to the beginning pages of The Art of the Force Awakens. And that, that uh, all is the Jedi Killer stuff yes. and the Sith Force Ghost stuff and like the Ooh. Luke Buried in Sand stuff. I'm like, okay, like what are we working with here? Because you're right, J.J. Abrams knows all of this, right? J.J. Abrams saw this every day for like three <laughs> yes. years, right? And so all he's thought about is like, what are we gonna do in episode nine now using all this stuff? And I think a lot of the stuff that he laid the groundwork for in force awakens like knights of ren or kylo's just journey i think is all going to pay off and i think we're going to figure it out and i think using the concept art as a guide is, is never a bad idea especially when it comes to star wars oh absolutely i mean to a t what you just said you know zebarelius what does that come from the original concept of yeah. chewbacca you know there's just so many different right. elements of the star wars art and i can't even tell you even the rogue one <laughs> the, the the art of rogue one that book gives me so many different chills because there are things that are heir apparent to the film that they used and there mm -hmm. are some things that actually if you read the book catalyst the rogue one prequel novel there are some things from the art of rogue one that actually make sense and play into that novel so it was one of those things when you read the rogue one catalyst novel and then you look at the art of rogue one you're like oh now i can actually see that in physical art form in the book I can see what was going on um, in particular scenes with Galen Erso and uh, more specifically with um, Mendelssohn's character of uh, Krennic. You know, you can kind of yeah. see different elements of that when it comes to Star Wars art. And one, one of the greatest things and the one thing that you did bring up when you talked about The Force Awakens art that still still kind of sticks in my head is the whole yeah. Jedi killer yeah. piece. That mm -hmm. still sticks in my head big time when we're heading into Episode Nine because Star Wars Celebration is not that far from now. And it's it funny. <laughs> it's a scary thought, but it's, it, it's <laughs> not that far from now. And we're going to be loaded with Star Wars content real quick. And fans are going to have to adjust to a period of time 
uh, where there was, I guess you could say, a period of time when there was peace in the galaxy. And now it's going to be absolute right. And it's fascinating because that whole Starkiller concept comes up to me when it talks about Episode Nine and Kylo Ren in, in particular. And how that artwork could play into the character of Ben Solo. And also at the same time, the whole Luke Skywalker stuff. I mean, Luke transitions himself into the Force in The Last Jedi. But how much how much of what Luke is going to do necessarily, I don't know if we'll see this. I'm guessing it is. Right. Luke as a Force ghost is going to cause Ben Solo to go down that path. It's going to stir mm -hmm. up his anger so much that that concept of a Jedi killer is truly going to take form. And mm -hmm. there is so much development, I think, that we'll see when the first trailer comes out. But Brandon, in my mind, I don't know how you feel about this. I think that first trailer could answer our questions about some of the changing of the concept art into Episode Nine. What things weren't used, mm -hmm. what similarities were maybe not necessarily utilized, but they were kind of touched upon, but not fully fleshed out. Are we going to yeah. see some of that in this upcoming trailer? I say yes, because what do, what do they do best? What do they do best with these trailers? They misguide us. <laughs> they they yeah. pull us down a direction that we're not sure. So, Brendan, question to you. If we are to see, and probably going to see, a Star Wars Episode Nine trailer at Star Wars Celebration, what elements of either the concept art or what are some particular things that you would like to see come out of that trailer just kind of teasing us yeah i i have i have some theories of my own and i try not to make those theories like something that i rely on for my enjoyment of the movie but it's Same. stuff that like you're saying in the concept art for instance like uh, especially with the passing of carrie fisher one of the things that was through a through line for force awakens for a very long time was this idea of the warhammer right the resistance super yes. weapon and yes. i think a lot of that was either shot or mentioned or scripted or whatever and i think that since that had such a, a, a dramatic tie into a lot of kind of the world building of The Force Awakens, uh, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that maybe some of that was shot or some of that was already built out where they feel like, you know what, like, let's use this now. I could see right. that showing up maybe as a quick flash in a trailer. Um, I could also see like you were talking about, right? Like, do we see what Luke looks like, right? In, mm -hmm. in this new embodiment of Luke, which... I right. love it. And it kind of goes back to if you read the making of Return of the Jedi, if you mm -hmm. see what that process was like, one of the things that George really wanted that didn't really ever materialize was this idea that the Force ghosts of Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of regenerate slightly and help Luke in his final battle against the Emperor and Darth Vader. They materialize right. and they fight back. And there's this idea, and it was kind of talked about in in the making of Return of the Jedi, but also it's been kind of hinted at moving into episode nine, which is this force plane, right? Like this idea yeah. that we do not know what the force is capable of. And all of a sudden we see one of the most powerful Jedi of all time, Luke Skywalker disappear. And we see Yoda use the force to literally turn a tree into ash, right? So it's like, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. we now know that, that people that are one with the force can materialize. They can interact with a physical environment, you know, we even see Obi-Wan sitting down on a log in Return of the Jedi, right? So we yeah, have seen right. it. We know that they can do it. Um, and so I would love to see that. I don't think that'll be in a trailer in celebration because I think that'll be a last act kind of thing yeah. um, for Episode Nine. But I think that'd be an incredible way to tie it all together. If you can imagine Luke 
and Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, and Yoda, and Hayden Christensen, and again, all teaming up against either it's Kylo, or it's the Knights of Ren, or it's whoever it is oh, at the end of that. man. And if J.J. If Abrams wants to tie all the movies together like he said he is, um, then that might be the opportunity to do it. Again, that's all very unfounded, and if it doesn't happen, I won't be crushed. But that, that, if they were like, Brandon, what do you want to that would be. I love to see that. Oh, it's just been man. teased for so long. Oh, that is that is such a tease, man. You've got me on the edge now because that <laughs> <laughs> there's some great things in there. I just that whole concept of there are these force ghosts that exist. They are residing within the force, and when they're called upon, obviously there is this balance once again between Ben Solo and Ray. What's gonna happen? You know, it's almost like a calling to them in many ways. Uh, it's almost like Ezra summoning the Purgles. It's very similar. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. able to bring them in when they're most needed. And maybe there's this call to the Force is just enough to do it. The one thing that I still have am, am hypothesizing on and expect a BrickCityBlockade.com article very soon, a theory article <laughs> surrounding this. And boy, if you know those articles, whew, they, they, they go out there. Um, but this one is more particularly around race Force visions from... The Force Awakens. We do see some of that play out. We finally find out what happened to Luke's Academy. Rey sees that in her flashback when she touches Anakin and Luke's saber. And uh, in Maz's castle more specifically. And we see some of that play out. We see, you know, the whole scene on Cloud City. We see uh, Mm -hmm. Luke's Academy burning. There's that one part with Ben Solo Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren standing in the rain. That is the one part that I'm wondering. That Force Vision was not put in there by accident or just to hold up mm-hmm. time. It was meant to be used throughout these three films because one of the major pieces of this, and one thing you'll notice, is that the three main parts of that Force Vision really are three parts of the film that we were kind of seeing playing play out here. And I feel like J.J. is going to do a lot more with Rey when it comes to the Force Visions, and now that Snoke has bound the minds between Kylo Ren and Rey, how much of that is going to play into the Force and its potential? It, it, there's so many different things with Episode Nine, Brandon, that I feel J.J. can, and I'm super excited about J.J. being on this because I feel like he is the right guy to wrap this up because he was the one who started mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, between Rey's Force Visions and the prog- and the progression of Ben Solo, we're on a mm-hmm. very interesting path in the Force. I don't know how you feel about where the Force is right now, but uh-huh. both are even in the dark and the light in my mind. When Rey wants to get what mm-hmm. she wants... She'll tap into the dark like we see in The Last Jedi. And if right, Ben Solo right. taps into the light, he he kind of gets what he wants. And mm-hmm. where do you see the Force going from here? Because I, a lot of people that I talk to, they say, it's in the traditional sense of the, the dark side and the light battling against each other. There's something else here, though, man. With Episode mm-hmm. 9, there's too much of a balance in between them both to make this so clean cut. And I feel like JJ's got something else he's going to show us. Yeah, I can see that definitely. I think you see it at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and you see it at the end of Return of the Jedi, right? You see Anakin playing with the dark side and the light side. You see Luke playing with the dark side and the light side. Now it's going to be Kylo playing with the dark side and the light side. Revenge of the Sith, you see Anakin obviously choose the dark side. In Return of the Jedi, you see Luke choose the light side. And so now it's like, will Ben choose neither? Will he kind of give up in a similar fashion that his grandfather did, right? And show <laughs> restraint and a, and a redemption? Um, or is there kind of a middle ground? I do not personally think that we will see at the end of that movie a um, a, a repentant Kylo 
Bren, Ben and Solo fly off on a quest of his own to find himself, right? I think he has, <laughs> he has shown too many sins, I think, to, yes. to be repented all that way. As much as I would love that, because again, I think one of the, the key theories behind it is this is the last Skywalker. That's the issue, right? So yes, do we yes. want to see the end of the Skywalker saga and on a on a little bit of a down note, right? Like, do we want the yeah. last Skywalker to to die evil or to die slightly redeemed? Or do we want like a long, happy life and then him and Ray have a bunch of babies and you're all fine and everyone's happy, right? <laughs> like that that is something that Are you like, pushing the Raylo card? No, no. Even as much as because that's the other thing. I I I try not to have a theory about it at all because yeah, on smart. one hand, like I see what Raylo fans love and and see in the script and see in the books and see in everything right and i appreciate it and i love it uh, but on the other side i'm like okay this guy killed han solo this guy is now the supreme leader right like he is he has gone all the way um and i would hate to kind of wrap things up nicely just for the sake of my own nostalgia right and so um, I'm I'm slightly nervous that no matter what happens, it's not going to appease half of the fan base, right? And we're going to get a whole another mm-hmm. situation for another mm-hmm. four or five years until they announce episode ten, right? You know, like, and I would hate right. that to happen. And so I don't want to I don't want to uh, instigate anything on either side uh, in my own right. And so I think we have to look at it as a story of the Skywalker saga and what does that what does that end up looking like? And I mean, if you look at it for holistically, it's redemption, it's hope. And I think they can figure out a way to end it like that um, without necessarily going on either a completely dark side or completely light side. Yeah, JJ has the power to essentially take what you just said, end it in a way that is hopeful, end it in a way that teases. I think the end of episode nine does have to tease something. If they leave it, if they leave it open-ended, then it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's good. You, you want to leave it open-ended you because J.J. always loves right. to leave questions. That's the big thing he does. Where he answers five questions, he leaves us with 74 more. And it, it's right. <laughs> right. And it, it's, it's most appropriate because as Star Wars fans, we always look for, okay, what, what's the next piece? What's the next thing we're going into? At the end of Return of the Jedi, a lot of people thought, oh, okay, it's – probably over he's not going to do it again but the one thing he did do was he had han luke leia the droids everybody standing there and mm-hmm. i think after a period of time from what i've talked to from some of the podcast members who remember seeing return of the jedi in the theater over time they started saying yeah but what happens to luke when he gets older what happens to leia when she starts getting older what happens to right. han you know those those questions start start filming themselves out in our own minds we start Coming up with our own stories, which there you go. There goes the legend stories. There goes everything else that George started. Right. And I think at the end of episode nine here, Brandon, I think the one thing that JJ could do successfully is much like the prequels is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you leave it with Obi-Wan giving over Luke to Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen on Tatooine and he's staring mm-hmm. off and and then you start wondering, okay, all right, wh- what's Obi-Wan doing in his time on Tatooine up until A New mm-hmm. Hope? And that's when all the discussion starts forming and everything. JJ has the potential to do that here. Right. This. And I think it would follow the trend of Star Wars. And he's the right guy to do it. That George Lucas format, that style of just leaving the fans craving more. And as much as the fans will say, there are those negative Nancys out there. We see them across (laughs) social media who will say, you know, oh, that's not the way we necessarily wanted it to end. But it's like, yeah, but but get ready. 
There's something else there. Yeah. There's always there. What is it quite good? There's always a bigger fish. You know, it's that whole <laughs> concept that there's oh, always right. something else to work towards. I don't know how you feel about it, but there, I feel like JJ is going to leave this thing open ended. And he's going to let us kind of hypothesize a little bit before they say anything. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, this is my theory, yeah. not Kylo and, and Ray, because I think that mm-hmm. is something mm-hmm. that I don't even want to think about. I don't even worry about it. I think the answer Absolutely. to your question lies in the secondary characters. It lies in Poe. It lies in Finn. Yes. It lies in Rose. It lies in these people that we have grown to love over two movies that aren't ne- necessarily kylo and ray and luke right so yeah i think what we'll see at the end of episode nine is a finishing that storyline of ray and kylo but then finding a way to tease a little bit like poe and Mm -hmm. and and finn and rose's stories after episode nine right that way if they wanted to come back in 10 years and say hey here's what finn and poe are doing with the new Republic or whatever it is, right? They can do that where it's not something that is tied to the Skywalker saga. Because even the press release when they start filming says this is the last episode of the Skywalker saga, right? That's right. So That's right. You can assume Kylo will not be involved. You can assume Ray with the Skywalker lightsaber will not be involved. And, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have to say, okay, what are the stories after that? I did see this is okay. This is me speculating. All that was me speculating responsibly, right? That was me being very <laughs> just straight down the line. This is me. Uh, I saw a thread on Reddit, which is never good, but it's on one of those, like, there's, like, so many terrible Reddit subreddits right now for Star Wars, but one of them, they're just just speculating just wildly, and it's like, okay, I just love reading it, I've always loved reading it, and one (laughs) of them, I was like, wait, I'm actually kind of into it if they they do it right, which was the idea that George has had since the very beginning that the droids, since they appear in every movie and they've been involved in everything, are the ones telling the story, or at least um writing down the story or or yeah, yeah. keeping in their memory banks and um and someone kind of they did it very clunkily but i think the overall idea of a coda like we had in last jedi mm-hmm. in the same kind of spirit which is like maybe it's c3po and r2d2 telling a bunch of you know alien kids who we don't know what time period it is we don't know what planet it is we don't know where in the galaxy they are all we know is that they are telling these stories about Luke and Leia and Ray and Han and Finn and Poe and they're telling it to a, a brand new generation and maybe that's kind of how you tie it all together where you say like hey these stories are never going to end oh um, it's tell it is, is, is how we do it and so I thought that was very cool they did it very clunkily where they were like oh it's like the wills are actual beings and they get uh, manuscripts R2 gives it to them I'm like okay that's a little too much but I think the idea <laughs> of CTV R2 passing along the story to a new generation as a coda, I think would be very emotional for everybody. You couldn't fault that, um, whether that's Legends or, you know, the new canon, you know, everything kind of ties in within that. So I thought that was a very interesting way to do it and sure you think about it. I don't, don't know if that'll happen, but I thought that was a nice little sentiment. Wow. <laughs> I like it. I am, I, I'm just, I, I need another sip here. Hold on a second. <laughs> wow. Imagine, oh, here we go. Here, here goes my, unhealthy speculation but also appropriate um episode nine imagine if that last piece it just cuts out and suddenly you have r2 and c3po standing there with a bunch of just this brand new resistance standing in front of them and they're telling this entire story to them and that's how episode nine ends is just with them standing there and then it closes out like that. That would be that would be the way to, like you said, to wrap up the entire Skywalker 
saga because they've been there for all of it through Anakin and through and now through Ben and Ray. They would have seen all of that happen before their very eyes. And right. for them, well, Archie, you might have missed, you know, <laughs> three quarters of the Force Awakens. <laughs> That's true, but yeah. it's fine. He'll he'll get caught up, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Luke filled him in. No problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, but it'd be kind of cool. You'd kind of take a step back and be like, wow. And then just the emotional twist of that. I think for for Star Wars fans of all ages, I think that that would be the one that, in a way, you'd be like, oh, okay, I I didn't mean to bring tissues to the theater, but I'm gonna have to now. The right. second time I see it. Um, right. But yeah. It, it's we could really get into the loophole of theories and and speculations and whatever else but it's it's fascinating as we move closer and closer to a trailer and then finally into december what jj has planned for episode nine and the concept art and everything surrounding this galaxy far far away so listen one thing i have to ask anybody who comes on make the jump here okay yeah the, the the one question I always like to ask is this specifically, all right? So, in respect to the prequels, all right, because mm-hmm. I'm a child of 1993, 1999 came out, and it was like Phantom Menace was like one of the first Star Wars films I saw in theater. Right. And uh, yeah, go ahead, make fun of me, I'm 25. Uh, <laughs> that's what usually all the listeners do. Oh, I can't make fun of you. I'm only, I mean, I'm, I'm old compared to you. I'm a year older. I'm a 92 baby. You're a 92 baby. No, I, okay. can't be, I can't be okay. that uh, condescending. Yeah. No, they, then they yeah. can make fun of us. Okay. They're, they're right. Not. Yes. <laughs> Phantom Menace was like the first film that I saw in theaters for Star Wars. And I remember my dad taking me and everything. So out of some of the prequel characters, we are talking about Qui-Gon Jinn specifically, talking about Obi-Wan, we're talking about Jar Jar Binks, whoever it is. Right. For you, who was the one that stands out the most that you would say, if I was in the prequels, during that time period when George was filming, which character's shoes would I like to fill in? So I, I have an, an actual answer, because just like you, I was, what, six years old, seven years old when Phantom Menace came out, which was the perfect age, right? There was no yeah. um, there was no snarkiness. It was all just like, I was like, this is the best, right? I, I, I was able to see the special editions. That's how I first got introduced. I saw special editions in the theater in 96, um, and that just blew me away. That changed my life, really. And so yeah. then... Mo- moving into phantom menace i was like oh this is great and i will this is completely honest because i have a photographic proof but like as like a clumsy nerdy kid in 1999 my halloween costume of choice was not anakin skywalker who was also what nine years old right it was not obi-wan kenobi it was not qui-gon jinn it was jar jar binks i saw myself in jar jar binks I have a picture of me in a full jar jar binks halloween costume and i mean seriously it really was like okay like like, um, this is somebody that's like, it's kind of like the Rose situation in, in episode eight now where it's like, okay, like if I was in Star Wars, like legitimately, if I was in Star Wars, I would be Rose, right? I would be behind the scenes, cranking, you know, screws on a pipe, right? And just, um, kind of doing a, a real job. I would not be able to be a fighter pilot. I would not be able to be a Jedi. I, you know, I, I know myself and I think that's where the character of Rose especially kind of ties so greatly back into the Jar Jar Binks kind of controversy, which right, right. It's like in Star Wars, a lot of fans don't want to see themselves how they actually are. And it's kind of tough to to break that. And especially when it's someone like Rose, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be your, your foil in what you're watching a movie. Um, I think that's very powerful if you kind of let it happen. So yes, Jar Jar Binks would be the answer for episode one. If you move into episode two and three, then I would have to say, you know, like I grew up a little bit and I'm like, okay, now it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's Ewan McGregor, right. uh, just just killing it every time. 
Um, so you know, that's a it's a toss up answer, but but I do have the photos of me as Jar Jar as as backup. <laughs> Is it safe to say that in first grade? All right, the one line that. I always said in class, and my teacher drove her nuts consistently. Was mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and it was funny because uh, she would walk, come back from a meeting that she'd be at, and the substitute would leave, and I'd she'd come over to me and say, "Oh, you know, Robin, how how was the class?" <laughs> and the one thing I would always say to her is, "You're right about one thing, Master. The negotiations <laughs> were sure." <laughs> and it used to drive her nuts every time. But man, I can totally agree with you. There is that connection to the prequels. I feel for our generation in, in specific, that yeah. it, it just truly resides. And Jar Jar Binks, Ahmad Best, big shout out to him for coming out Huge and being honest about that role and just saying, you know what, all the pressures and all the fandom hate and everything, it, I had my time. I had my my things that I went through. But now I'm feeling better. I'm coming out strong and I'm telling my story. And that is just yeah. so huge, man. I don't know how you feel about it, but it, it's exactly what Star Wars fans need. I would love him to come out at celebration, out onto the oh stage during, yeah. during the prequel panel, and just just come. Out. I think he would be met with applause uh, from everybody. Yeah. From everybody. I think I think a, a big thing that happened at the last celebration was that huge opening panel, right? And everyone was coming yes. out, and there was John Williams, and then Hayden Christensen comes out, and I was so scared. I was so yeah, nervous. I was scared I was, too. Like, what's about to happen? You know, are people people going to boom, whatever. And it was just the biggest applause, right? Because it's all yeah. these kids, just like you and me, that grew up with Anakin Skywalker. And we knew that, like, like yeah, it wasn't the best acting. Yeah, it was kind of cringy line sometimes. Yeah, the romance plot, whatever. Like, we knew that. But it's yeah. also, if you look at every Star Wars movie, right? If you watch the original Star Wars movie, the dialogue is so clunky, right? Luke is so <laughs> whiny, right? You see it. You see it in the original Star Wars. And then when you complain about it, when you're... 20 years older, yes, sure, it's a little bit, you know. So when I saw Hayden Christensen come out and he was greeted so warmly, now he's making convention appearances and he's back and everyone's so excited to see him. Yeah. That's what I would love for Ahmed Best, right, at this next celebration. Yeah. I will say, because I'm going to celebration this year. It's my first time oh, since wonderful. celebration four. I went to, to Los Angeles in 2007 when I was 15 or whatever. Um, and it was the best weekend of my entire life. Um, I convinced my parents like, let me go out to Los Angeles for it. Um, and so now, finally, you know, what is that? 10 years later, 12 years later, I'm able to go to a, a celebration again. I'm excited to kind of meet everybody that I've, you know, interacted with on Star Wars Twitter, especially. And I'm also very excited to kind of meet a few of these people that I've never met, right? I'm assuming yeah. maybe Ian McDermott shows up, which I would love. And then I would especially love if Ahmed Bed shows up. I would just get, I would get the biggest picture of me and him smiling. It would be, I would just love it so much. So, I mean, like, because I have a list of, of guests that I'd love to talk to one day, sure. and, like, Ahmed Bess is, is right up at the top, really, of, of people yeah. that I would love to just kind of sit down with and, and talk with. So we'll see. One day um, that happens. But but for now, I'd love to see him kind of welcome back into the Star Wars community with, with open arms. Absolutely. We encourage it and all the fans out there who are showing their love for Mr. Ahmad, Ahmad Best, Mr. Jar Jar Binks himself, please. You know, just just give them all the love you can. We love them here at Brick City, obviously, over at Talking Bay 94. Love them so much. So big shout out to the Mod Best and to the fandom who's keeping it positive out there. Brandon, we have come to that time of the show here on Make the Jump. It's a little thing we like to call plug time here at the podcast network. So where can the good people <laughs> where can the good people find you across social media? Um, well, uh, Talking Bay 94 is on, you know, Spotify and iTunes and TalkingBay94.com. 
Um, follow me on Twitter at TalkingBay94, uh, full of just terrible, terrible Star Wars jokes and, and you know, screenshots of things that I find online. Um, and then, yeah, we are launching uh, the first week of February. Uh, we already have recorded a bunch of episodes and we're ready to go. Um, some some huge names that I've wanted for the longest time we finally got. Um, and that's all I'll really say because it's just um, every time I talk to someone like that, um, it, it's a it's a huge honor. So um, that's coming up. We have, you know, merch coming out and stuff, you know, normal podcast things. So um, stay on the lookout. Please make sure to check them out. Brick City loves them. Talking Bay 94. Always, always a good, good time. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets. Check out all my tomfoolery and random turtle videos and everything happening in my life over on Instagram at the official vote, www.brickcityblockade.com for all the podcasts, articles, fan theories, things that I want to talk about and theorize on. And you guys are like, wow, he's just plain old crazy. And also <laughs> over on Patreon to support the network, T Public to rock the network, and also our Galaxy of Joy program made possible by Starlight Children's Foundation and the Brick City Blockade, bringing smiles to kids' faces every cent at a time. Brandon, it has been so awesome having you on. Best of luck with Talking Bay 94. Future conversations on the way. Thanks so much for coming on Make the Jump, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This was this was a blast. So hopefully it translates to a good episode for somebody. <laughs> That's always the hope. <laughs> and as we always say, here at the Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. Always.